This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Welcome to the Law Bites podcast. Coming off a week in which the government engineered a major cabinet overhaul and which featured significant news on both the Bill C-11 and Bill C-18 fronts, I thought I'd devote this week's episode to a midsummer update. Barring some urgent news, the podcast will take a break in August and return in September. First, the cabinet overhaul. It shouldn't come as much as a surprise, but for those who are hoping that the government's much-anticipated cabinet shuffle or even really overhaul might signal a potential course correction on its digital policy mess, we're left sorely disappointed. If anything, the changes that took place at Canadian Heritage and Justice suggest an acceleration of plans that will include continuing to head to what I think is a Bill C-18 cliff of blocked news links, as well as introducing controversial online harms legislation, government might well call it online safety legislation, but the results will be much the same, and perhaps even copyright reform. Pascal Saint-Ange, the new heritage minister, was a lobbyist in the culture sector before her election to the House of Commons, and is likely to welcome the big tech battle. Indeed, she indicated as much soon after being installed as the new heritage minister. Meanwhile, the shocking removal of David Lametti as justice minister, reportedly on regional diversity grounds, and replacing him with Arif Farani, means that the online harms file loses an important voice for freedom of expression in favor of someone who has in the past expressed impatience with delays in new regulations for social media. Now, given how outspoken Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been on both Bill C-11 and C-18, whether the Heritage Ministers Melanie Jolie, Stephen Guibault, Pablo Rodriguez, or now Pascal Saint-Ange, the commonality, aside from the reality, it would seem that the job itself is limited solely to Quebec-based MPs, is that Canadian heritage is driven by the centre, by the Prime Minister's office. Heritage ministers in particular appear to be judged primarily on whether they deliver on PMO policy and keep Quebec happy. Do that and promotions await. Jolie's difficult stint at Canadian Heritage, you may recall the criticism she received when she brokered a deal with Netflix to guarantee a half billion in spending, yet was seen as insufficient, particularly in Quebec, led not to a Marco Mendicino-style removal from Cabinet, but rather to a rehabilitation opportunity in Cabinet, followed by a major promotion to global affairs. Guibault's embarrassing performance on Bill C-10, I think he was widely acknowledged to be a poor communicator on the issue, actually led to a promotion to environment and climate change. And Pablo Rodriguez has just parlayed months of gaslighting on these digital bills into a promotion to transport, leaving the Bill C-18 quagmire and the likely backlash over online harms to St. Ange. Now, not only is St. Ange likely to continue down the same path on Bill C-18, but her mandate letter will undoubtedly also call for her to lead on online harms and to work with ICED industry on copyright reform. The online harms package has long been viewed as the most controversial of the government's three-part digital regulation plan, yes, even more than Bill C-11 and C-18. The new Justice Minister Varani played a lead role in the online harms consultation back in 2021 on behalf of David Lametti which led in part to the 2021 online harms consultation package that was widely criticized, with 90% of Canadians who responded opposing to the position. In the interest of full disclosure, I should note that I had a call with Varani as part of that consultation, 
back in August 2020. Now, sorting out the competing departmental views between heritage, ICED, public safety, and justice on online harms has always been challenging. But justice is now led by someone both deeply familiar with the issue and I think more likely to support an aggressive approach. In other words, the messengers may have changed with some of the cabinet changes, but the digital policies remain very much the same. Speaking of which, the first shoe appears about ready to be dropped on Bill C-18, as Meta will reportedly block all news, Canadian and foreign outlets, on its Facebook and Instagram platforms as soon as this coming week. It should be noted that Threads, their new social media app that competes with Twitter, might also be caught up in this. Meta's read of the bill would appear to be that any facilitation of access to news for Canadians, any linking, brings it within the scope of the legislation, and therefore the need for widespread link removal. The government could have narrowed the scope of the bill, limiting it, for example, specifically to Canadian news outlets, but it didn't do that, and so here we are. Now, changing heritage ministers might have provided the chance for a reset in the tensions between Facebook and Google over the bill's approach of mandated payments for links. Indeed, I think it's fair to say that the reality of the harms from C-18 have become more apparent, as previous supporters of the bill are now touting compromised positions. I think that most of the suggestions have no real chance of coming to fruition. This government isn't going to stop the CBC from lining up to receive millions in tech money. And a fund model, one that I, amongst many others, recommended to committee months ago, would only work if the legislation treats it as sufficient to meet the obligations under the law, in other words, to avoid final offer arbitration. And so those suggesting voluntary contributions simply step up and start paying fail to recognize that that doesn't in any way remove the perceived risks associated with Bill C-18 if you're Google or Facebook. That leaves, amongst the suggestions, the most dangerous, yet I think obvious approach. The government allocating hundreds of millions of dollars in public money to the media sector to make up for its blunder when the losses from what I think is an epic miscalculation pile up. In other words, a bailout. Now, creating a scenario where the combination of government tax credits and bailout grants cover half or more of the news costs of Canadian news outlets is neither sustainable nor supportive of an independent press. Yet given the risks that are becoming increasingly clear, one can sense the memos within government and the lobbying to support those positions really beginning to ramp up ahead of the next budget cycle. Meanwhile, Bill C-11 may have receded into the background of CRTC consultations and government policy directions, but Canadians concerned with the regulation of user content, of video games, or using algorithmic regulation would do well to pay attention. Lobby groups fought for the inclusion of user content regulation in the bill, and they've now turned their attention to the regulatory process and are seeking to undo the government's assurances that each of these issues, user content, algorithmic regulation, and even video games, would fall outside the scope of the regulatory implementation of the bill. In fact, if the groups get their way, Canadians would face unprecedented regulations, with the CRTC empowered to create a host of new obligations that could even include requirements for YouTubers and TikTokers with sufficient amount of revenues to register with the commission. With the new Heritage Minister St. Ange in place, the submissions raise serious concerns about whether the government will maintain its commitment regarding scoping out users, video games, and algorithms. 
Now, the most troubling publicly available document available so far comes from a coalition that calls itself a court, representing many of the largest songwriters, composers, and music publisher groups. The groups posted its submission to the government's consultation on its draft policy direction to the CRTC on Bill C-11. Now, all the submissions are not yet posted. In fact, it would appear it may take weeks or perhaps even months before that happens. But they've posted theirs, and I should note that I also have now posted online my brief submission, which called on the government to fully honor its commitment to exclude user content and algorithms from regulation and to establish sensible limits on regulation around discoverability. The government's draft direction had called for, quote, minimizing algorithmic regulation and the exclusion of user content and video game regulation. The music lobby that I mentioned a moment ago is now calling on the government to roll back virtually all of those commitments. Now, the draft direction states, and I'll quote, that the commission is directed not to impose regulatory requirements on a online undertakings in respect of programs of social media creators, including podcasts, and b broadcasting undertakings in respect of the transmission of video games. The lobby wants virtually all of this removed, the leading references to online undertakings and video games. Moreover, the directive speaks to the infamous section 4.2, which was at the core of much of the debate around user content regulation. That government directive states, and I'll quote, that in exercising its powers under Section 4.2, the Commission is directed to set out clear, objective, and readily ascertainable criteria, including criteria that ensure that the Act only applies in respect of programs that have been broadcast in whole or in significant part by a broadcasting undertaking that is required to be carried on under a license or that is required to be registered with the Commission but does not provide a social media service. Now, that's a mouthful, but the core element there is an exclusion of social media service. And here, too, the lobby groups want most of this paragraph deleted. And while the government directed the CRTC to minimize algorithmic regulation for discoverability purposes, the groups want those limitations removed as well. In short, the position validate the concerns expressed by thousands of Canadians that Bill C-11 opened the door to regulation of user content, video games, and algorithms. But the effort to roll back some of the assurances that the government's had with respect to user content safeguards isn't limited just to the policy direction process. Over at the CRTC, they're continuing their consultations on Bill C-11, and groups such as ACTRA, the well-known Actors Union, have recommended that individual persons be exempted from regulation on social media, but that corporate entities should be regulated. In fact, it argues that user content creators that incorporate and generate sufficient revenues should be required to register with the CRTC and face commission regulations. This could easily include prominent YouTubers and TikTokers who could face the same registration and regulation obligations as major broadcasters. Now, I think that these developments represent the worst fears of many involved in the Bill C-11 process. I think they also confirm that the CRTC's decision to conduct its consultations before the government's policy direction is final was incredibly ill-advised, and significant changes would render much of the consultation that's already underway outdated and irrelevant. In other words, a major reset may be needed. Now, cabinet shuffles notwithstanding, government should make it clear by unequivocally rejecting these proposals, 
and leaving no doubt that despite these lobbying efforts, user content, video games, and algorithms are out of Bill C-11. Now, that's Bill C-11 and C-18. There are a couple of other issues also arising just over the last couple of weeks that are worth keeping an eye out for. First, and perhaps most prominently, is the battle over digital services taxes. I've devoted several podcasts to this issue, and listeners may recall that the position of the Canadian government has been that if an international agreement at the OECD over digital services taxes is not implemented by the end of the year, Canada plans to go ahead by implementing its own digital services tax. Now, Canada seemingly stands virtually alone in this regard. Not alone in the sense of wanting a digital services tax. There are a lot of countries that want to establish or have more notably have already established digital services taxes that are by and large framed around the notion that large companies, many of them tech companies, but not limited just to tech companies, pay some sort of percentage. It could be two, three percent, perhaps even more of their revenues typically arising out of digital advertising or out of data into the government as a surtax on those revenues under the premise that those companies, while they may pay taxes on their revenues in a country, the perception is that they often do not pay their fair share. And this is designed to seek to address that. Now, many countries had already established this. Canada had not. But there's been a recognition that the approach of one-offs of various countries moving forward with these kinds of taxes raises some significant concerns. And there was an attempt to broker a global deal on the issue at the OECD, which, which was successful. The problem now is one of implementation. As part of the deal, countries agreed to establish a moratorium on establishing new digital services taxes. And that's where Canada finds itself in a bit of a tough spot. It hadn't established a digital services tax yet, although it had had some discussions around it. It is now saying that it won't abide by the moratorium if there's no agreement by the end of 2023. It's pretty clear there won't be. And so many governments who were involved in this process have sought to extend the timeline into the end of 2024. And that extension includes extending the moratorium on new digital services taxes. Now, that's where Canada finds itself in a different position and facing significant opposition from many of its allies. Many of the allies want to see that delay take place, but in part, some are maybe comfortable with doing that because they've already got their DSTs in place. Canada doesn't. And so its position is that it wants to move ahead with the digital service tax, effectively breaking down the agreed upon moratorium. Now, that could put the entire agreement at risk. And so we can expect to see ongoing pressure on Canada until this issue resolves. And certainly, if Canada does move forward with a digital services tax, the position of the U.S. government has been that they will take retaliatory action against Canada. They've done so against a number of other countries. Now, in addition to the digital services tax, we've also seen not movement, obviously, over the summer on other legislative initiatives, but there is certainly mounting calls that Canada needs to prioritize issues, particularly around privacy and artificial intelligence. That would be Bill C-27. The ICED minister, Francois-Philippe Champagne, was not shuffled. He remains in the position that remains his bill. We'll have to wait for the fall to see whether or not it escalates as a priority for this government. So there's no shortage of activities taking place, certainly this summer, much of it focused around C-11 and C-18, and the recent cabinet shuffle and changes in terms of where some of that leadership will come is undoubtedly going to have a big impact 
as we wait to see how all of this plays out in the coming months. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and I'll speak to you again in September. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening and see you next time.